Welcome to the Atlas Project. It's a new world. To navigate it, we need new maps. Each episode, best-selling author Chris Katana and Scott Jones saw 50,000 feet above the immediate headlines in politics, economics, science, and society. The Atlas Project aims to reveal the big picture of where humanity is headed and the choices we all need to face. Chris, this is the first time we've ever recorded the That's Atlas right. Project in person. In, in person. Yeah, face to face. We met. Uh, well, that person. was, well, first time we met was, I guess, now almost 48 hours ago. Not quite. Not quite two days. That was, that was a neat moment. I didn't realize that you're as short as you are. I thought you were exactly as tall as you were. So you're better at projecting people's height from what you see in FaceTime than I am then. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with you being better at that than me. That's... I can I can give you that and still be okay with myself and my sense you're of self-respect. You're height weight proportionate. Like you're yeah. you're like your build what you see on a FaceTime camera mm. is very much like would I could speculate your height. You know on. there's a, there's a lot of things seem to be I seem to be fit for like I can wear, you know, jeans off the rack and it's like they were made for me. I I'm the type of a lot of the one thing is long arms. I can't yeah. I can't wear I can't like any. I can't. I can't have any dress shirts off the rack because it just looks so, so embarrassing. I like have the, the same problem. Just sticking short wise with dress shirts. Like okay. I usually need the shorter sleeve. Hmm. But I have the. I think my my jacket shoulder size is like ten inches bigger than my waist size. So it's like. The, yeah, I know that's strange. But you know, so the other great thing about you know that's your, strange. You're like, your, that's your, strange. your energy in person. I mean, it really is. It's the same person. As um, it's just three dimensional. And you know, here we are. Yesterday, we had this amazing uh, gathering of you know about 115 extremely accomplished people, and and everybody in the room who like you know, and you stand out in that room because of your energy. And that that was a pretty cool. Thing How much see. of the energy is just American? Though I felt so American. Oh well, no, oh, that's a good question. Right? I mean, you do tend to be kind of you know. Louder than there the rest are, of us. The look, there we are. All right, look at that. That's, that's, that's us Facebook. doing. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, so I, yeah, no, it's fun. So we should just say a word though about why we're here, in Toronto. This is base camp. Yeah, you like. How do you like the metaphor? I think it's a good. I think it it's works. It's fantastic. And like, then it's not a summit, right? Right. It's You're my, not. We're not at the top of the. We're not anywhere near the top of, you know, the kind of big challenges that the world needs to to look at and take on, but. But, uh, you know, a lot of So you're people, saying this is not a mountaintop experience. And even if you have something, like, I, I feel like because I've spent time in religious culture, hmm. people talk about retreats and it was the mountaintop experience. You know, like, hmm. so. I like the metaphor of a base camp. I mean, I've never been to, you know, like an Everest base camp. That would be interesting to see. But I can imagine that there is um, a kind of organic community that forms in a place like that. Because everyone who is there does have a common purpose. I mean, and we've got our own paths and our own goals, you know, in terms of what we're trying to do, but we do also share in a certain uh, mountain culture and a sense of awe at this um, giant obstacle in front of us that that we think or feel for, for whatever reason, and we've got many different reasons that bring us to base camp, but for whatever reason we feel needs to be surmounted. And, and that was the idea... And that, that was basically the call to bringing that room together, that you know, we are all people who, who, who stand at the base and look at some 
some seemingly insurmountable obstacles in the world today um, and uh, and have the strong sense that it needs to be surmounted so so since we're all on this same journey what you know why don't we meet up and see what happens yeah and it was people from so it was like a hundred and it's about I think I didn't do a count on that I think it was probably about 110 people who showed up out of, yeah. you know, there at, at, at the highest point, there were about 125 that were going to come. And then last minute, a few people joined, a few people step away. It was about 110. Yeah. And of all walks of life, I mean, like people were from all over the world. Hmm. That it, it, was, it was a diverse room. It was very diverse. And it's interesting because several people remarked the diversity we don't comment on a lot is age. I mean, there were, it was racially very diverse. I mean, I, like, it would just say like... Forty percent of the room was non-Anglo, non-white. Forty. Yeah, yeah, it was very. I mean, there was there was black, white. There were, you know, you're somewhere in brown, beige. Yeah, yeah, you're beige. Um, And then, of course, you know, we're in Canada, so you know, Aboriginal, Native North American. um, Yeah, many different sort of uh, immigrant communities represented. Latin America. Gender-wise, it was, and then age. I mean, like it was. There were there were really. At every table, there were people that were from 20s to, to 60s, 80s. 70s. The, 80s. the oldest guy yeah. in the room was, yeah, 85, 86 years old. And the youngest woman, I think, was about 21. Um, so the idea was, if we're going to provoke one another, then diversity is supposed to be a great way to do that. So let's try to be consciously very diverse. But actually, when it came to um, bringing the room together, I, I, I didn't... I didn't pay attention to the diversity statistic. I really just looked for, um, you know, quote unquote, people like us. I didn't even really define it. I knew it when I saw it. Yeah, I want you in the room. And and when you got a hundred of the right people, it just turned out that they were that diverse. And it and, and that is as it should be, because the right people should look like that. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's better if it's descriptive rather than prescriptive. Right. Right. I'm going to shut the Facebook live off just because I feel like it's laggy and okay. I feel like I just want it. People have seen it. They know we're out here. We're shutting it off. Okay. Bye. But you can hear the, the rest of the podcast. But hey, I mean, this you can say, you can say that you saw it. You, you can saw say it. that you, you saw, saw it. Us. And not, not many people can say that. You saw us in the same room. It happened. It did happen. We'll take a selfie of it too. <laughs> you take a selfie. I'll take a sip. Surprise, surprise. The hotel Wi-Fi is not strong enough. So we're recording this, but yeah, so yeah, we had a diverse group of people and this is, I mean, th- what's interesting, like, yeah. So what was your impression of this? So we, I feel like you, you were new friends. I mean, I feel I have a real fondness for you, but we're, it's one of those kind of relationships where the first conversation we really connected and decided to do a podcast together. And I loved your book. Like if you could see my copy of the age of discovery, it's like, a, <laughs> I can't wait to see. Well, it's got, we'll have like, to do a, I'll like, do a Philly visit and then I'll see like the 50 or 60 sticky notes in it. Like <laughs> with all these like marginal notes and the sticky notes and stuff. But mm-hmm. But you know, so I, I, I mean, I came here to hang out with you, do a little podcasting, and be yeah. present for the thing yeah. you were. And I really appreciate you making the trip, man. But it was everybody did that, like in the sense of you cast you cast mm. a vision out there, and people came and then really enjoyed each other. But you, this is interesting. You you birthed something that I think is pretty remarkable. You got one hundred and ten people, or whatever, to come together to talk about big ideas, and they all liked each other with mm. relative. There was relative comedy in the room. Mm. Hmm. And people could communicate like they actually hmm. and enjoyed it, which is hmm. 
all those things, diversity, the communication, the like, mm. they're just not things that happen every day. That's interesting. You know, <laughs> it's funny because one of my friends in in the, in a moment of 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 total blunt honesty, uh, when I so you know why did why did you come to this? And he said, "Well, Chris asked me to, and I couldn't. It, it seemed too hard to come up with a good reason not to go." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, tr- you get asked to go to you come up with good reasons not to go. And you say, well, this is kind of hard to come up with. A good I guess I just have to go. Um, and maybe- this is, by the way, the number one thing I say to people, like in religious context, like if you want to grow religious organizations, that way, if you, just ask people to come to a service or, or an event, like because people like that's exactly because that's they don't. But that's the most powerful thing because mm-hmm. you have to consciously say no. I th- or the mm-hmm. best thing you can do is a yes, no, yes, yes. I'd love mm-hmm. to. Mm. No, I can't come this year, but yes, I'll come in the future. That's the, mm. we all win the yes, no, yes. Mm. But unless you yes, no, yes, somebody really well, mm. you'll just show up. Mm. Like, because, you know, especially if it's, and then if it's a higher loyalty thing, because you're a really compelling person. And I think a lot of people like what, how you think about the world and part of what they enjoy about your friendship. So you, you mm. there were, it's almost like there's a risk in saying no. Yeah. I, I, and I, FOMO. I, don't, ooh. <laughs> I think, I think there honestly was a bit of FOMO for people. And, um, which is great, right? I mean, cause we did get, I mean, there, there are some people because they're, you know, they're big names or they're well known. They, they draw people. Eh, that's fine. It doesn't mean often those aren't the most interesting people. Yeah. Um, seldom. Yeah. But we did have like in the Canadian context, we had a couple of celebrities in the you room. You had the biggest Canadian folk singer, right? Uh, in, it, uh, so yeah. So there's indigenous. I mean, exactly. Tom Jackson, who, uh, I mean, in Canada is, is uh, basically a national treasure. He's raised about a quarter billion dollars for charitable causes over the last thirty years. Like he's a he, he's a he's a movement in himself in Canada. Uh, we had uh, in in the music scene Gord Sinclair, who is the bass player for the Tragically Hip. Tragically Hip never made it very big in the U.S., but they are slash were uh, especially for my generation the iconic Canadian rock band. I mean, they are the U two of Canada. And so it was like we had we had the edge at our event. I like that 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 that, that that's how the that's soft how, edge. That's how the Canadian <laughs> the soft edge. Exactly. That's Gord Sinclair. Nice. Yeah. No. Nice. I mean, you, uh, I mean, yeah. we had Nobel laureates in the room. We had you know a couple of billionaires, uh, multi billionaires in the room. Not that not that money you know, but sometimes money talks. We had a couple of really really important academics. Um, some serious entrepreneurs, some serious philanthropists, some great academics, a couple of uh, the most celebrated journalists in the country were were, were in the room, um, and a lot of people who uh, I think are, are are going to be those leaders that we look back at and say, "Oh my God, I mean, they've really helped society to take the next step," and you know, and 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 so I think that worked. The room was. Amazing in terms of what we achieved together. That was, I think, more experimental. Um, and because there were no speakers at the conference, like it, there were no. So that yeah, exactly. We came in. You well, there were some words of welcome. You spent maybe ten minutes tops talking about the vision of the thing. There was a, a two minutes, three minutes of facilitating expectations, and then we just went to table work. Mm. And we moved tables, we, you know, tables for everything from let's thinking about, you know, what's the future of wealth and reimagining it, health, Mm. uh, meaning, purpose, and identity, Mm. cities, citizenship, yeah, platforms is a big, education was a big one, wealth, health, 
philanthropy. Um, and then people moved tables. They migrated. They, they could. It was interesting. So we, we tried to do a lot of things, right? But, but yeah, step one, we thought, um, let's strip out the speechifying. Because in the world we live in today, we can watch that on YouTube. Or if we're going to do a speech, record it. We can all watch it beforehand. We don't. We need, can record this podcast. We could do. Yeah, you know, like we don't. When we have a hundred and ten of us in the room for seven hours, let's not waste time all sitting silently looking at a screen. I mean, how stupid is that, right? I mean, it it just seems like a a, a titanic waste. I, I did a kind of quick back of the napkin. I figured that there was about two million dollars of human capital oh, in the absolutely. room on the day, right? In terms of like what we would, what you'd pay to get everyone to co- show up in a room, and the idea that you like, I, I, I feel like that's yeah. you're lowballing, but it. yeah, probably. Yeah. But like, let's say it's two, let's say it's five. Would you pay five million dollars to bring people into a room and then put them in front of a television set? Like it's dumb. Or it was so interesting, just the platform thing alone, which I wish kind of like I would have been at more just because although rob who was a big one of the guys that was there he said i was like could you make me like the kardashian of podcasting i could (laughs) (laughs) i've done it Uh, but like it's a great guy you are one of my new favorite people (laughs) that i mean that alone you had several people who've actually done legit like have, have, have have launched Major, major platforms. For, oh, huge. For, yeah, yeah, huge. And then I, uh, far bigger than anything I've ever done. Yeah, and the same place you had a diplomat, a, a celebrated Canadian diplomat mm, who, yeah, yeah Ben, guy yeah. has a pension for boredom. He wanted to go to Iraq and then Afghanistan. <laughs> for this, I mean, all these. Oh God, he was like, mm. I'm like, wow, you just couldn't stay over in the hot spots. And then he does this thing. Uh, what's the uh, better place? Better place. Yeah, where he's trying to work on citizenship and and mm. what is. And you guys were all talking about a different kind of platform. That served citizens, that served the the working, that served everybody, mm. as opposed to something controlled always by a certain small group of interests. Like, how would it have? What would it like to have a platform that actually where people had a sense of ownership? I, I thought that was one of the big ideas that got brought into the room, and and that the room helped to make stronger. This idea that should there should some platforms be a public good, and if they were a public good. Um, would that help to solve, or at least would that present differently some of the things that we really struggle with now um, with platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff, like around data privacy and around um, sort of foreign interference and, and, and fake news? Like if, if it was a publicly administered platform, would we be able to do some of these things differently, give citizens a different set of um, rights and responsibilities than these things being um, privately owned platforms? And I think that the, the answer is probably yes. And, and it's really interesting that at an architectural level, but it was, so even say private betrays the thing, because it's, it would still be, it could be private or but a different form of public because we think public private, right. we automatically think government right. versus, but you're talking about something right. no, that yeah, exactly. could be privately, it's not administered by the government. And yet it's a public thing. It feels mm. public because right. of the way it's, it's, it takes user interaction and uh, yeah, yeah. A, a user is more like a citizen than a consumer i mean i so i think we're going to be hearing a lot more about this idea because it's such a good one i mean we'll do our job of helping to kind of capture and share the big ideas that came out of this get together and i think i think that's going to be one of the big ones that people continue to work on and figure out how might we do this um because you're right i mean the fact that people in that room got to the point of talking, how would this be governed, tells you that people thought this is something 
Like we're already starting to think about how we might do this. And, you know, could there be a governance framework where uh, it's not owned by the private sector users of the platform? It's not, it's not controlled by the government, but there is some kind of shared governance framework where, where no one entity can determine, um, what changes happen to the platform. I, we're going to, we're going to hear a lot more about that idea. And that was just one example. I mean, there were a few big, big ideas that came out around the room. The citizenship table was talking about like kind of a, a global peace corps. So would there be some kind of, and I guess you could use the word platform again, but more like a program that youth 18 to 30 could participate in where they would, uh, you know, do something that helps to develop a, a global notion of citizenship, a, a very bold and provocative direct response to, um, populism and nationalism. I'm and not this, a globalist. No, exactly. I'm, I'm a nationalist. So exactly. Right. And, and, and do we, so do we accept that? Can we that's just right? say like, what is it? The, the something of Zion, this, the original anti-Semitic track of like the early 20th century. Like when people are like, well, the, 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 the nationalist globalist, it's so anti, I mean, it's, it's old okay. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's old school it anti-Semitism. Is. Let's mm. just say, I mean, it, it it is just it's 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 a trill. I mean it it's it, it's not a dog whistle. It's it's a siren. Which like I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love what that guy Gillum said in the debate, like with the guy DeSantis or, or the guy who was running against in Florida the governor. He said, "I'm not saying he's a racist. I'm saying the racists think he's a racist." <laughs> but, you know, but that's true. Like right. it's very interesting mm-hmm. when there's national global stuff come, comes out like David Duke and the people, we love that Trump's doing that. it's just mm. I would be worried if somebody said Sky and Chris we love what they're doing and we think it's advancing our interests and it mm. was a white nationalist mm. social media yeah like, I, I, I would look I would hard not at be the two of that. us and I'd, say, I'd be mm. not into it mm. Mm. and and yet yeah that mm, that's interesting if Howard so, Stern like we were doing I would mm. peace so, be upon him so you know it's interesting so you know, people were asking me, so like, what's what's the deal here? The original idea was, um, I think it would be great for us to get some of us together. Um, the ambition has been growing now as, you know, people responded to that and said, yeah, I, I think so too. And now, you know, I so desperately want to try to crack this, this puzzle of how do we bring, uh, you know, I call it pathfinders, you know, people who are really... Um, really feel compelled by the question of you know how do we how do we make a different and more beautiful world? Um, how, how do we bring these people together? And they're a diverse group. And we've got different views of sort of what the mountain is and what's the right way up it. How do we come together? And I like that you choose beauty too, because the moment we, if you could say a just world or a equitable world, where we could, it's divisive. Yeah, but beauty, it, there's an aesthetic. I mean. Mm-hmm. You love what you find beautiful, and you find beautiful what you love. And those things can be different. Like people love different kinds of people or art, or so you. It's a it's a it's a kind of term that. Mm. So I, I love that you've gone down this track and that you picked up on that because that was. Um, so you know, I was thinking before this event, I've got to think about what is my mantra. What actually is a kind of phrase for what. I think is a common purpose for, you know, not just a hundred people in the room, but for a lot of people. And, and, and it I, couldn't be, hey, hoser. Well, I mean, it could That's be. That's a bad Canadian joke. <laughs> That's so American. Is that, well, what are the other things that Americans say about Canadian? I mean, it, I, it's been a while since I've sort of talked 
about Canadians with American friends. I love friends. it, though. I, well, let's talk later about my thoughts on Canada. Okay. Because okay. I feel so, like I'm a huge fan. Okay, like, so so let's come back to that. But what I wanted to say was, um, yeah, so, so, my, so my mantra is, I, I think that an awful lot of us want to consciously, courageously give birth to a different and more beautiful world. And, um, you know, how and why a lot of, I, I feel that within that broad statement, I think a lot of us can find meaning and purpose. And if somebody rejects a different part, right, you could just say, look, if the minute you use is and ought language, this is this way and it ought to be that way. You've already said you want it different, right? Like the, 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 the moment you use is and ought language, mm. you're talking metaphysics, good, evil, you know, mm. the, the true, the good. Like it's just a, a quick grammatical move, but you've already moved into metaphysics and truth with a capital T when you said mm. is not, right? And then mm. your ought is like, is beautiful. Like it, Mm. You know, we, mm. and we could mm. we could argue on the, around the periphery about what those, but it was remarkable how much centrist, how much like not centrist in a political or ideologically, but like how there were centers in all these tables there, that, you know, mm. in the discussions. So I want to I want to now bounce off on a, on a big tangent and bring this back to uh, U.S. political discourse because how I got to that as a mantra, I was thinking about this word beauty because watching the U.S. midterms. For me, I had an epiphany, which was, okay, I think I figured out what the campaign slogan needs to be for the Democrat contender in 2020. I think I finally figured out how do you craft a new narrative that does not, that isn't about Trump, that isn't about anti-Trump, which in itself is about Trump. And I felt that... Better than Trump? I mean, what are we... No, well, exactly. What no. are we talking about? I, I... <laughs> exactly, right? As soon as you mention his name, or it's clear that you're referencing him, he just, like you just did, comes up to the microphone, and we can't help but pay attention and laugh. No, we were at and dinner that, tonight, and joking, uh, but like we had a great conversation with our waitress, Cat, mm. Cassie, I think her name was. She's Carly. Going, Carly, sorry, Carly. Was, <laughs> Carly. You were having so I much more. I, I got caught that for some reason. I, the the constants. It, mm. But I kept saying fantastic, and I said I hate that I say fantastic. Yeah. But mm. it, it is. I mean, he's omnipresent. So okay. So I think, and uh, if anybody from DNC is listening to this, I think that your campaign slogan needs to be "America the Beautiful." <sighs> so here's why. One, there are very few sort of tropes in American culture left that are not divisive. Yeah. And I think that's one of them. Two, if you're a Democrat, it, it references the diversity of the Democratic caucus and the progressiveness of the Democratic agenda without explicitly referring to either one. Because both diversity and progressive are, in the U.S. context, extremely divisive yeah. terms. So you got to avoid that. Um, how many is that? Two, three... I think that it makes whatever Trump and the administration does ugly in contrast without having to mention it and uh, and makes it very difficult. I mean, it also highlights whatever corruption and stuff that comes up in the Trump administration and, and re-magnifies the wrongness of that. And then, you know, depending who the Democratic contender is at like a crude level, and we know that a lot of politics is just crude and ugly, Um if it's someone who is attractive and charismatic, then it it it, it amplifies the ugliness of um, what if it's of Donald that's Trump charismatic and unattractive like Bernie Sanders. America, 
the beautiful. The but I'm not talking about a Pons <laughs> uh, store bought, a, a generic brand. You can use a generic skin moisturizer. It's just as beautiful. Maybe. Maybe. I. I I gotta work on my standards. That I was think, a bad yeah, that was a really bad standard. Okay, that was like oh. Donald Trump trying to do a Sanders impersonation. I mean, I'm or not. What is, what is my best? Larry David's best line. Yeah. Okay. Well, Larry, Larry got, David. Larry yeah, David was like, be... I don't even have a super pack. I don't ah, even that's have better. a. I don't that's even better. have a backpack. I carry all my things like a college professor. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I think right. it's you're right. So, but the yeah, and the thing is, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump or what's happening over there, and and anything that's happening over there only reinforces the appeal of this message. And by the way, you can play it in North Dakota, you can play it in Kansas, yeah. you can show happy white families, you can show happy brown families with you know the Grand Canyon in the background or whatever. It is a complete coast to coast appeal. That I think, and it has the I, added, so I, I, it am, has I, am the I wrong? Added, no, I it just, has the added advantage of being true. Like, 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 like this is, I think, part of what is in the American ideal, like diversity, like I, it, it, this, a new kind of forging together for immigrants and ideas. And I mean, I was listening to a center right podcast from Commentary Magazine, and after the. Um, after the synagogue shooting in, in Squirrel mm. Hill. Uh, and the one of the John Podhorowitz, who hosts the podcast is center, right. Kind of never Trump guy, you know, like on MSNBC all the time. He, he read movingly Washington's letter to a synagogue and he visited Massachusetts and it was just so moving. Like it was like beautiful. And, and there, there's this, you know, there's something about like America that is, it, it, there is a beauty to this experiment, right? Mm, it, 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 yeah, I mean, it's it's with all its faults, and we have many of them, mm. and that's part of our beauty too. There's nobody more self-critical than Americans mm. about like how shitty our politics are. I mean, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's, it's it's built into it the DNA. It should be better, right? It should be it should be prettier than this. Um, and I think as well, it's it's the American ideal that genuinely does have global appeal. We, I think. We all want a more beautiful world. And, 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 and so that's how I actually got to, you know, this gathering. And what do I tell this diverse group of people? A lot of them Canadians, but a lot of them not. What do I think is our common purpose? And it was actually beginning with, you know, that idea and thinking about what's happening in America that I realized that the, the American ideal that is global is about a more beautiful world and actually in, in all of our different sectors and areas, and it's so very different. We had healthcare professionals and we had entrepreneurs and everything in between in that room. But I think that we all feel compelled by the possibility of a more beautiful world. And if there is that possibility, then then we kind of want to be part of part of getting there somehow. And, and do you think on one level, right, like when you think of like Plato or something, you know, you think of the structure of the Republic or books like that where you mm. – the true, the good, and the beautiful, right? So that's – and it's almost like also – programmatically we think we figure out what's true and then you figure now out we know what's good then we know what's good that you know the values theory and then we then aesthetics come from that like maybe in this culture moment you start with what's beautiful work back to the good and truth is the is the end game not the mm. foundational presupposition or something like we start mm. with aesthetics like mm. and work backwards mm. i wonder if that's that's dude that's deep i like clink glasses man that's uh because maybe that is maybe that is 
um, the path to truth in the postmodern moment. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, yeah. Hans von Balthasar is the guy, my guy. On because, and, and, uh, hey, that is deep. We got, we got to, we, That's should, our like, next we should podcast. like do a podcast about on that. Truth or good and beautiful. Because, by um, the way, all the people that are subscribing from the conference and stuff, you can email us if you, if there are things you want us to talk about. We're loosely, mostly doing stuff off of the, your newsletters. Yeah, very you loosely. Must. I mean, as inspiration. But those are, but, right? I mean, those are starting points. Amazing. I, I didn't say fantastic. <laughs> No, I love reading them. Very I, good. I'm, I'm, we're trying to train you to a wider hate, set of I hate that. adjectives. And I'm not someone that... But you are. I'm not... Just, just own it. I'm not inarticulate. I feel like I'm no, not... No, you, you are definitely not inarticulate. And I'm not no. someone that doesn't use lots of words. It's just like, he's. I'm obsessed with Trump. I'm obsessed. You are, eh? Because we're all narcissists in America. And like, that's... He's... Uh, you get the politics you deserve. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you do. So... That's too bad. Can I... Let me just ask you this question as a friend. So I, I love your book. The Road to Discovery. I still got to get the next book out. And it's starting I'm so glad it. we turned the Facebook off for this. Because I feel like it's so nice. People don't see what you're doing right now. Right now, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, it's easier. I just realized it's easier to talk to you a little bit like mm. when I know. Because you haven't done this a lot. Yeah. In person. Like, yeah, we've never true. done this that's in true. person. Yeah, it should be intimate. Right? Exactly. I mean, it's it like an arranged marriage. Intimate, so. yeah, that's right. So <laughs> how much did the Age of Discovery book... You talked. You told the story about Don coming up to you. Where, mm. where do we... How do we do that? Uh, that was that was honestly. I mean, I, I love Don. I, he Don is Don is great, and I I'm a huge that, Don guy. And I feel like it's, I don't know my experience. I haven't had many moments like that where you do have a kind of. He comes up to you at like a book reading or a book event, right? Well, yeah. So he comes up to me. Uh, I, I was it was here in Toronto. It was about two years ago. A great friend of mine had invited me to uh, Massey College to give a book talk, and, and Massey College is like. Uh, I mean, it's like. I'm not sure what the American equivalent would be. It's 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 a big deal. It's you know there are serious people, thoughtful people. Ivy League, like Harvard. It's like U of T. It's 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 the it's the smart it's the smart shop of deep thinkers at the U of T. Um, That's like the, the so like being a Harvard or fellow, or yeah, it's Harvard like that. MBA. Totally. I mean, those, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so it was a real honor to be invited there, um, and and really fascinating room, and talked about the book. And then at the reception afterwards, this old white man walks up to me and he kind of, I mean, well, you met Don now. So he has this charisma I and love cheerfulness. Don. I love him. Don. He's, he is such a genuine soul, an old soul. And, uh, and he walks up to me and, he, and like, I, I, hey, with that kind of enthusiasm, I loved your book. And he emphasized book. Um, can I ask you a question? And, and I, like, I, just as I told the story yesterday at the event, I, I really thought he was going to ask for an autograph or something. So I'm already getting out my pen. And um, and he says, I want to know, are you really committed to actually doing the things that you say we need to do in this book? <laughs> I, I, I like, got off the does train. Any, not, not. Does any author actually, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you kind of, you write it because you love the ideas. And, and and then you think about, yeah, what does it mean for action? Because that's what you do in a book. But was I committed to doing these things? Holy shit. Like, dude. But I, I actually, you know, I look back now, I feel so fortunate. Like how, I, I actually don't think it happens very often that we're really confronted in life with, you know, basically, are you an authentic person? So here you've written a book. You've said all these things publicly. You've got all these people reading it. Is it for our entertainment or or do you stand behind these words? that you've now spread around. And, you know, once you're asked the question, you can't avoid it. You got to fall on one side or the other of it. 
okay, either what I do and the things I'm doing is going to be impacted by what I've said to all of us we should be thinking about and concerned about and doing or not. And, you know, and, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not congruent, right? I'm writing and it's great. And people enjoy it, but it's not, I'm not committed to what I'm writing. And I'm not trying to practice what I publish. Um, and Don was just, such, he's such a compelling man that I felt, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to see where this goes. Yeah. Community. I mean, there's something about like he, and and he had ideas and, you know, and if you are really committed and that was the other next step, if you're really committed to actually doing some of these things, then I think I can help you because I've been on a 25 year journey to try to do some of this stuff. And I've got some, some people around me and some processes around me. And we think that we've got some ideas. And if you're interested in that, and he's just, he just invites, right? If you are interested in that, then I would love to share some of this with you. Okay. And, and here we are. I need to give Don a call. Oh, I mean, you do? But he's going to say, hey, he's going to say to me, Scott, I, li- I like your energy. I'm making a pass right now. But write something like Age of Discover. No, but Don, I mean. He was pretty exhausted by the end of yesterday. I mean, we, we, it was but what's interesting, though, is that event. moment, right? People often say you should do this or do that. Well, first off, you said he invited. He didn't. He didn't say you should do you this. Should, yeah, he, it, he asked. So where are you at? I'm interested. Yeah. So it's descriptive, not prescriptive. It was an invitation. Totally. And, totally. and, and also, if I had, if I had said, well, uh, then you would have just moved on. You said something so meaningful too about field of dreams. <laughs> that, just, that just came to me in the moment. <laughs> I love that movie. Boy, it's time to see that one again. Yeah. Well, I um, cry every time at the end, no matter how many times okay. I see it. That and the wrath of Khan when Spock died. I can't. I always cry when Spock dies. Oh, when dies. they got a hand to the glass. Yeah. You know, I have been and always shall be your friend. And, I love that. And, and, and then and then uh, William Shatner tries to do the Vulcan salute. He can't, and he yeah. can't quite do it. And what did you think about in the like the reboot when uh, I guess it was number two? Um, I forget what the name of the film was, but they had you know it was kind of like Wrath they of Khan. Switched, yeah, and they switched the roles, and it was Kirk that died, and and it was Spock on the outside. It was pretty cool. Like For I me, was, that was the best part of that. I movie. was into it. I was way into it. Like was way into it. Yeah. The only thing is, like, I feel like Ricardo Montalban. I'm a big Cumberbund. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbund, yeah, Cumberbund, like okay. Cumberbund, Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. I love him, but it's big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo Montalban was sort of larger than life, right? Yeah. And the, and the amazing thing is that he was, because Wrath of Khan was... Um, After was actually Fantasy a follow-on. Island, there, there, there was yeah, in, in like in the original series. Yeah, well, he did that space. He he did all the space Spanish seed, acting. That's right, he did Fantasy space Island. Seed, yeah. After that, he was. Mm. I love that. I could if you turn if we put Wrath of Khan on right now. So, oh my! Cry? I could prove it to you. You're gonna cry if we turned the volume down. I could say all the lines of the film <laughs> with ninety ninety five percent accuracy. Wow. Okay. I, I I can't compete with that. But I love I love the ending scene. And I did love Our it. Our shields will be useless. Sauce for the goose, Mr. Savick. The odds will be equal. Like when they go into Mutara Nebula and no one's shields work. Okay, you're well. I do remember that. And then like Z plus whatever degrees, right? When oh, when, they when he goes up, the, uh, that's, that's like Age of Discovery stuff. That's Age of yeah, Discovery stuff, right? right? Like a whole other dimension we can Okay, play so in. this is where we're bringing it all back. So part of like these conversations and the value is like, do you hear how hot I'm coming through the headphones? No, it's fine. 
Yeah, but I got to turn you my keep, voice You keep down. adjusting it. I think it's okay. Yeah, I'm adjusting because I have a weird voice. But like, so basically for people who haven't seen The Wrath of Khan, Kirk's nemesis, who was like a super being from the post-apocalyptic genetic engineering era, he, he's really smart. He can figure out how to like read technical manual space. He says, Spock says, he's intelligent, but not experienced. His patterns indicate two-dimensional thinking. And Kirk's like, all of a sudden, Kirk gets his mojo back. And he's like, all right, uh, C minus 80 degrees. Do, 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 do. Like the Valkyrie song. Is like, but basically, he's like, well, Khan only sees like things on a chessboard, like mm. backward, forward. I mm. can go up and down. Mm. And so like, it, this is this moment where like being in the moment. Mm. It, 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 and it's also not, it's interesting because it's not future or past. I mean, it, it's not a historically presidential thing or anything. It's just mm. like Kirk sees the whole board. And and that's why part of the reason that you get a group of people like this together, right? Like you see more of the board. You you do see. So that's interesting. I mean, like, what did people take away? We got all of that at a wrath. You know, there, there's. A, so I've been doing a lot of. I mean, uh, Star Trek has many lessons for 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 many people in many walks of life. There's no question. Um, I was doing a lot of you know kind of getting some preliminary feedback from today, and you know it's everyone had a great time. And then the question is, you know, what could we have done differently and, and, and what could we have done better? And you realize it's actually, it's really hard to think about how do you, how do you move the conversation to a new place? Yeah. Um, I, I think at a minimum, like everybody made some amazing contacts and it's hard to predict where those things go. A few great ideas that people will probably take forward and who knows where those things will go. Um, I think everybody was really engaged. And even if you came to a place where, well, yeah, that's like, we know that's the solution and everybody knows it's the solution, but you probably, by the end of the day, you, you understand that solution with new depth. So it's like kind of the Z dimension. Like you've, yeah, we, the, the chessboard really isn't any different, but we've seen it from more angles now. And so I kind of come to it with a deeper understanding, but I do, I do have some questions for myself about, um, you know, and, and first time experiment. So you kind of run the basic experiment and, and it kind of, it's the baseline. I do have some questions about how do we really get to the hard conversations? You know, the, the, difficult questions um like harder than should jj abrams have flipped the roles with kirk and spock because i feel like that's a that, hard that's a hard question but you know like um well I, I and i wasn't you know it's hard to be in every conversation at once um but i remember you know at the so one of the tables was rethinking cities and it kind of had this existential crisis this group of you know every every table was at least 10 people who who, who know their shit and, and we're going to do area. release a podcast. It's going to be a base camp podcast, so stay tuned. And we'll, it's going to be released very soon. But so I captured some conversations with some of these people, and mm. one of the guys that was in that group, um, Lawrence. Oh, was that the city's table? Yeah, and he's like a VP of a major global electric company, and he's—I mean, he was so like he's—you know—this guy controls energy. Like, I mean, he's—he's he's a real mover and a shaker. Yeah, and he was so impressed with that conversation. I, and, and it was great. It was great. And it was, was also really what difficult. Was the hard... So like, let's let, you know, you, you get tremendously, sorry, am I talking too loud? No, I'm talking, I you, talk too you, loud. You get tremendously My capable people together and, and they know their stuff and they know the domain and they also see it from a different angle. And I remember the city's table was kind of split at, at a, almost like an ideological level, wondering sort of, you know, is the future about making big cities more livable or is the future about getting people to spread out more from these big cities? 
Like if we want to think long-term about what's possible, should we be thinking about how could we de-urbanize and re-ruralize and remove some of the, the bad Genesis, stuff that happens? Genesis in this? chapter 11, dude. Is that, is that how we do it? I, no, I'm just saying that this is the issue in the Bible, like Tower of Babel. Like everybody gathers oh, dude, and they yeah. try to make a, mm. a tower to heaven and, and God, the, the Lord says, well, these people are fucking the earth up. It's better to spread them out for a while. Mm. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to think a bit about that. I didn't mean to bring the Lord into it. No, 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 no. That's interesting because, you know. Because I'm I, off book right this now. Idea I'm not, that, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know. Well, that, no, I mean, it gets the Lord. I'm still like a Christian. But what's interesting. Allegedly. About, what's interesting about that is that in Genesis, you know, it's kind of like a punishment to say, no, you're all here together. Now you got to go yeah, into yeah, separate yeah. little places. But then the Bible always keeps the New Jerusalem in, in the Hebrew Bible the prophets and in the book of revelation, the vision is every tongue tribe and nation together. Like you comes eat. together. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's, it's so, not a permanent. So my, my point was just like as a social, almost like putting on a sociologist hat was so interesting to go around the room. Yesterday. I talk less passionately about the Bible than star Trek. I feel like I can get passionate. About that's the Bible, interesting. I'm more in the star. Well, no, I'm more be, into the Bible. I'm into there, the Bible. There right? is a whole kind of religion around star yeah, Trek. Sure. I'm into right? it. It's kind of like, yeah. Okay. Oh, I can do that. Everybody can learn. I taught my day anyway. Um, but you know, when you get to deep questions like that, like is the future urban or is that the future that we need to change? People get uncomfortable because immediately it becomes, well, if we're going to question that, then what value, like, then are we saying that everything that we're doing is somehow wrong or part of the problem? Like, where do we go? It's such a, it's such a, but don't you feel like the point of your book, Age of Discovery, is that a Renaissance period inevitably brings those questions because it's incredibly furtive and creative, like like the. But it's also it's creation and destruction at the same time. It's apocalyptic, and so like you you if we're not in those conversations, we're not realizing the landscape. I, I feel like so for me, the book was really about working through. I I firmly believe that the biggest task. Um, that we've got in front of us right now is is that kind of at the level of consciousness in terms of how do we how do we think about and make sense of the world now the world of health wealth of education of 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 law of um, of citizenship of cities of technology and and there is some future in which we think about all these things very differently like the Copernican revolutions yeah. right and and how do we make them I mean. So yesterday, that that first gathering is about basically me saying, I think we need to make these Copernican revolutions. I think that the the more beautiful world is on the other side, these big revolutions. But honestly, I don't know how we make those things happen. I think that getting people together who share uh, a calling to reach that new world is a great first start. But what do we do once we come together? I'm, I'm still... More at the questioning stage than knowing the answers. Well, I was thinking as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, of course, but we know the most. That I mean, but every in the original in the you know 14th century, they knew the most at the time, and there was more interconnectivity. Mm. Like you know, or the 16th century, rather, you know, whatever. Like we always, when these periods happen, generally when they happen, when you know the most, and and yet, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that yeah, just that's increases exactly that's so that increases interesting because, what you don't know. Yeah, and what's interesting is so. These Copernican revolutions, it's, you know, the answer is simple, but that simplicity is on the other side of the complexity, right? And and so I think one of the big challenges in the world today, in almost any domain, and we can think about U.S. politics makes it very clear, is, you know, we need 
to abhor simplicity on this side of complexity. And we need to crave simplicity on the other side of complexity, which say right now we need to hang with the difficult problems. And and there is some kind of aha flip where we oh that's how it all makes Dude, sense. I marry, but, but if we I try to simplify before like a the living, I do weddings. That might be my new premarital counseling thing. Mm, mm, mm. That's good. You is should. That go, good? What, what if you like? You should go and get a, jer- a gig in the Church of England. Should we? Uh, should we? Maybe we could build a religion around this. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I always say that. Like, I feel like it's easier to build a cult, especially now too. Like Charles Manson, other people. They have, uh, real, they well, have uh, the a internet. Cult, a cult is about. A cult tries to create simplicity on this side yes. of complexity. It's bad so does the politics too. of fear, yeah. by the way. That's exactly what is happening with uh, nationalist and populist movements. It's about, the world is complex. Let's create simplicity on this yeah. side of complexity. Yeah. And, that, and it can work to achieve limited visions, but it cannot work to achieve um, roofless visions yeah. like we summoned yesterday. We say, yeah, well, we want to create a different and more beautiful world. That Let's just call it what it is. That is our But also hope. the world, reality is roofless. Whether we shape it or don't shape it, it's roofless. Like it, we're heading towards a future that's mm. bigger than us. Like, we so- are in a moment where it's so fluid that pe- people are going to shape the future. Yeah. Right, and people are going to reshape the way the world is now. And the only question is who and how, and who wins and who loses. Right, um, and so that that for me is the, the the conscious and courageous part. They're recognizing that we do live in a fluid moment, and so you know, as I say, I say in, in in the book, um, you know, a Renaissance moment is a contest for humanity's future, just when the stakes are highest. And I, it's, and, a, and I, it's, I, I, it's I, a fantastic book. I've lost. I've, I'm. I'm. I'm out of power. Where am I? Oh, you unplugged your thing. Wait. Oh. You're still monitoring. I, I. I'm still speaking. Am I? Um. I. You know. I understand those words much better now than when I wrote them two, two and a half years ago. Um. And I guess you know, going full circle back to Don. That's because I met a person who basically challenged me to understand what you've written and. And and learn from what you've written and realize that I got to give Don a call. I just need you, to talk. you have his number. I'm going to make sure no, you get his number. number. And you know he's the kind of person that. So Don is at a stage of life where I can't hear myself in my headphones. By the way, um, Don is at a stage of life. Ah, oh, there I can. Where and and he's a wonderful. Don is great at at metaphor and naming things. Uh, he believes in the power of naming things. So he names his his current role. He's the chief storyteller. He is consciously in a storytelling role. Um, and so he has nothing but time for people that want to get some storytelling from him. And um, I've certainly learned that this it, shit is also biblical. That's like it, yeah. it's, it's so. I feel like this yeah, is very. It's you a, you you should get Don on a podcast. Is what you should do. I'm getting Don on give and take. Get Don on give and take. Yeah, that's where just I'm make it a long episode. So Don Don talks. I like to tell people he talks in chapters, right? And if you if you've got the time to listen to a chapter of Don, it's it's such rich good stuff. If you've only got time for a page, then but I then like don't that. call him. I mean, you like that though, right? You well, I I understand that, and I think part of it is you know living on four continents, living in cultures where English is not a first language. You you learn living in Canada. You learn to be a good listener, and and you learn to be a patient listener. I think, um, and and those are do you those miss Canada now that you're in London? I, I get. I guess I do. I guess I. Do. I mean, there's such an easy familiarity about being. Uh, being back in Canada. Um, but I've also, I mean, I've lived abroad since, I mean, it's been about 15 years now. And so I, um, you know, 
you know, I literally have Canadian DNA, but I also care and am interested in the lives of, uh, you know, many people who are not Canadian. Like I care about what's happening to um, my friends in China as, you know, Xi Jinping and all the politics there is really changing what their personal spaces look like or, or, or their freedom to, to do business or to be creatives. Uh, I care about my friends in Australia and, um, you know, what, what's happening. I mean, the immigration debate is so divisive. I care about my friends in Europe, you know, where uh, nationalism, I care about sort of my roots in Poland, where you know the the government is 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 very very um, uh, anti-immigrant, you know, almost anti-EU, or at least we want a new EU on on different terms. Uh, I care about what's happening with you, right, down in Philly. I was and, wondering when you get to me, and that was last. Uh, I was yeah, like, save the I was best. Like, is he going to mention me? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I mentioned nice. right, I like right, and so that's and and I think that's what it should be. If we if we if we do spend significant parts of our lives traveling or living abroad. I mean, surely a big part of the purpose is, you know, kind of, I think, I think Einstein kind of, you know, said it best that we need to sort of broaden our circle of concern. Um, and for me, that's not in some kind of universal sense. It's about having a, a, a wider set of particulars that you care about. Um, and, but that and, is universal also in the sense of... Well, I, yeah. But that's great because universal in the sense of one sense of universal could be at the expense of the particular. It's like, let's get to universal by widening the particulars mm. i'm i'm saying that because i'm reading a lot of hegel right now yeah well you know and and a lot of people are plagiarizing hegel and using it as their own these days but you know i think i'm people, referencing it I, I that's because you know it i mean i don't mo- know mo- it most well. people most people don't read it and that's cornell west taught me hegel but um who's cornell west Really? Dude, you would be amazed the things that I do. You don't know, know. Cornel West? He's, I, he's, I, have, have, I, have I diminished myself in your eyes now? There are a lot of things I don't know is what I'm trying to say. Cornel West. He's the most prominent African-American intellectual in the world right now, I think. Oh, I guess. okay, 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 okay. Big okay, Afro. Okay. Cool. You've seen him once. Uh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. I, I feel like... Um, there's a there's a, a a British sort of conservative. I was not demeaning you by saying no, that. no, no. That's fine. Demean me. That's because I think I, I think you know everything. Well, okay, then then you're wrong. You're tall. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly know if it's raining before you do. I mean, my God, it's like you're like half an hour later, you find out exactly. I'm um, a wee little man. But you know, so this is I think the mistake. What that British people conservative? Like. Wait, I was thinking of David Goodhart, who wrote. Um, I don't know that guy. Yeah, so see, so you don't know everything, but he he. I know nothing. I forget the name of his book. It's something like you know, like uh, the politics of nowhere, and basically his argument is cosmopolitans are you know from nowhere, yeah. and we need to be from somewhere because well, this is he's repeating and, Chesterton. And, I, I quoted I, Chesterton. To our our server tonight, and and I just feel that you did, which she was, she had no idea. What but you were that was the, that's his argument against Kipling. Well, I just feel like uh, all these people who say, but you know, we can't, you know, we can't live as universalists because we are particular. And I'm like, well, you don't really get the point. I mean, yes, we 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 discover universal values through our experience of the particular. I mean, Hegel says sometimes logic contradictions are problems, but sometimes the contradictions actually get you to a new ontology. And so you don't, Mm. So basically, Hegel mm. thinks like certain contradictions like that's interesting. Need to redefine metaphysics. Right, write that down. So we're gonna have to think of. So one thing we're gonna have to do over the next year as as rebase 
sort of the Renaissance base camps continue is what is the... Not freebase, it's rebase. Rebase. Freebase is something different. But what is the technology for or Copernican revolutions in people's heads? And and what you said about... What did you say about the contradictions leads to a new ontology? Yeah, I mean, like, like and, most and maybe, philosophers so, think that, that, that logic determines metaphysics. You get a, but like, like Kant, I mean, it's a classic thing, antinomies, mm, like, well, mm, is the universe... Mm infinite or finite like in these things but i mean hegel thinks sometimes that the contradictions need to redefine metaphysics so we got to wrap this up ish can we wrap it up on let's talk a bit about your experiences of canada though i want to hear a bit about, a bit about that i'm so pro canada really i'm so Is, it, it. and it's not just the cannabis i haven't had no cannabis when i was here okay you know it's legal now you I can't know. you can't take it back over the border but you can well, what would i do could i have some what I do, I go to a... So, you know, and because and, I live in the UK, so I don't know exactly how it works, but I think that there are now licensed retailers. you got to find a dispensary, and you can buy the weed. Could I call Don weed and do and it with can, Don? I, you know, that I would be intrigued. I would be intrigued by that. Uh, but I think, like, and you can get... And, and the big thing about the industry now is it's not just smoking joints, right? It's it's the gummy bears it's cookies, and it's, it's gum- cookies. Yeah. And it's all, you know, it's a Capitalism, whole... Capitalism, you roll over everything. Totally, totally. I mean, and the people who the people who are complaining the most are the drug cartels. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, fuck our businesses. Yeah, anyway. So we'll see it where that goes. It's violence, though, because... So, okay, so you like the cannabis. What else did you... I, I would like... I mean, I don't... I, I like the vibe. I So let me just say, I feel like our... Saturday Night Live sketch comedy stuff version of Canada is true. People are just nicer here. They're just nicer. Like, mm. it, like it, getting out of a train, people are, even if they're in a hurry, they're nicer. Mm. They're not rude. Like, that's nice. Uh, I, I feel like people are, every, in Toronto, so I'm getting like the polish, but it's just so clean and nice. And like, Toronto's a clean city. Yeah. And there's just something like, and also, this is a city that's as diverse as, Almost just like New York City. I mean, it's incredible. One of the most diverse cities on earth, yeah. And there's a sense in which, even this bartender today we're talking about, and she votes irregularly. She doesn't know if Trudeau's term limited. She's like, but she was a voter, like, and Mm. and probably in her mid 20s, and she was proud of the diversity. Like, there's something. And and Brian uh, or Ben Rosewell said this in our in a podcast we forthcoming. Okay, can I can't, I can't wait to hear. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, I mean, Ben, ben like, he was amazing. talking about like there there is an inclusive choice we make. Like, and I think, mm. man, I mean, like this mm. is this is the so if America is this hardy kind of like dream like pioneering like there's this sort of like slow and steady wins the race like kind of thing like mm. like you want mm. like you want mm. Steve Jobs to have been Bill Gates. Right, like, like you love that Mac, right? So you wish the guy that made it lived like Bill Gates. Mm. Bill Gates made, made like less sexy computers and stuff like that, mm. but he was just this great like philanthropist and human. Mm. And Steve Jobs made beautiful and great computers and was a shitty person. And so, like, mm. and that's we're all both people, right? We're so all. So you, what you're saying, you're saying that that the Canada is the PC and and <laughs> and the US is the is the Mac or. There's elements, I feel like of, it. Canada's elements the Mac. of it. I don't know. It's interesting because you know, being being back in Canada, and and certainly, I don't know if it's true or if it's such a widely socialized belief that, that we it's just, like chicken and we, egg. We make it true, yeah. but it's certainly a widely socialized belief in Canada that uh, Canadians are not as innovative, as as risk taking, as as bold thinking, and as big thinking as our cousins to the south, and that that's a problem, and that's something that we need to. How do we? How do we be? How do we get that part of American yeah, spirit the, into this I don't know country? That's a problem. I don't know why, but that is 
totally a, a, a widely socialized trope within Canadian society. And at least certainly within Canadian sort of business society that we're just not. And, and I think within government that like innovation is a problem. Productivity growth is a problem. And we got to figure out how to up our game and be more entrepreneurial and, and, and more like, you know, Steve Jobs and, and kind of, you know, bold is beautiful and, 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 and be the, the radicals and, you know, all of, all of that great stuff. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I haven't lived in my country for the last many years. And so I, I, I kind of have a, a bit of an outsider. I'm an insider and an outsider at the same time, which is a fun, a fun critical place to be, to, to, to be able to kind of just have questions, uh, ha- have conscious questions about my own place where I belong. What are we and, and how are we and, and where can we go? But, and, and, and I said this at, uh, at the event yesterday, I did have a hunch that if if um, if I'm going to try to help build a, a global ecosystem of people who are kind of compelled by this idea of giving birth to a, a different and more beautiful world, then I want that ecosystem to have some Canadian DNA. Because whether it's earned or unearned, I think that we do. You said have, it will have Canadian DNA. Well, it does. Very have, it does have Canadian DNA. I mean, here I'm we all are in, in Toronto. On the Canadian DNA. You're okay. You're welcome. To... I want more Canadian DNA. Is that some kind of kinky reference? Or... But it's funny because on sci fi, exactly. I want, yeah, but on, on sci fi, all of the post apocalyptic things like um, Continuum and all this stuff, the head of the world, it, dystopian world, is never LA or New York, it's Vancouver. <laughs> I love that. But I'm for that. Now that I'm here, I think it has to do with the film rights. I think that's... But I love it. I'm sort of into it. Like, I'm kind of... No, I do think... It is interesting because I, I... Yeah, I mean, I have so many... Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Well, it's great that you're also in, like, sort of like exile, coming back. Like, not mm-hmm. self And it's totally a Canadian thing, right? We go out. Yeah. And we kind of see the... Oh, we did that again. We go out and we see the wider world. And then at some point we we are compelled to to come back. That is also part of the um, of, of of the journey of 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 many Canadians. We want to see what's out there. We want to explore the wider world. And then at some point we also um, by that exploration deepen our appreciation of of and, home. And, and I think there's more I thou here in a cultural level. What do you mean by that? Like Martin Buber, like I thou versus I it. Like we, we want to be seen as thous, not its. Like, you know, I don't want to treat like an object. I want to be a subject, right? Mm. Now, also, we're in a complex world with Uber drivers and mm. concierge people and pagoda, you know, owners and everything. We, we can't like have an intimate relationship or even a mm. interpersonal warmness like with everybody. But like mm. there's something about Canada. There's just, a, from my perspective, there's a little more thouness. Mm. Now the service is slower. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> you got to ratchet down your expectations. But I, I'd be willing to pay that cost for the thouness. Mm. You know, most days. You know, but other days are want. You know, but there's something about the the I thouness here that I like that people. Now maybe it's passive aggressive and everybody just hate. You know, mm. repressed everything. But there is a public good. I like the that I would like a little more downness, mm. but also it, you get it, you get it in the southeast United States or something, mm. but you get it here with a little less racism, which is a nice thing. It's nice. 
Nice. If you get a little left, you always want to say, "Can you hold the racism?" <laughs> like if you're ordering something, you don't want to say, "Can I have a little extra racism?" How much? So let me. I, and I, I, I do have to. I do have to uh, get off this because I, I want to go and visit the lovely you couple broke the bell. who donated the meditation bell that we which used, at the event, which I broke. Right. So that's what I need to go on to next. I, I, I want to go and and they were lovely about it and and so, um, they practiced non-attachment which i really appreciated but i'm still kind of broken up about it um but but i do want to i do want to let them let you let go yeah no they've let go i need to let go and that's that's interesting but love is the opposite of control well i'm I'm gonna pick up my my joint because it's legal now i feel like you're the only person that experiences me that way when i say stuff like that i feel like i'm so sorry i feel like i'm so american and so loud you are american that I like say these things and no one, but something about you, I say these things and you're like, it's the joint moment. Like, I feel like people don't think, like, well, I'm well, not that deep. I'm okay, not no, deep no, no, but uh, so the difference is I am easily impressed. I like yeah, it's, a, it's not that you're that deep. It's I'm that shallow, but I am, I am curious. And, and I'm uh, if, I, if I can ask you like one last question about sort of your experiences of Canada, because I'm, is it, is part of what's going right in Canada just that it's easier here? I don't know. Like, we don't have a southern border where, you know, there is a lot of illegal immigration, for example. Um, we don't have the same uh, scale of, 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 of population, right? So, so it's... Yeah, America's on the I wonder, is it, harder to, is it harder to build a civil society? Like, I don't mean... I mean, a civil society in America than in Canada? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think like we were talking at dinner, like about immigration. So like my brother-in-law who might listen to this, Drew, I love you. Uh, he and I agree on very little politically and he would, he would say the same thing. I mean, I mean, we are, I love the guy. I love the guy. He's fantastic. He would probably come to this. He's a, a traveler. He's, he loves big ideas. We it took us two minutes to solve the immigration problem, and like you know, drinking a bottle of wine, mm. we're just like, well, you just do visas, travel, and we're totally opposite sides mm. of the political spectrum. But like, but you actually agree on that issue, yeah. And and, and these are the it, so it's a wedge issue, right? We're because mm. mm. we're so big and diverse in America that you Democrats don't want it solved because they think the more diverse we get, we'll get more voters, and it's also and Republicans don't want it solved because. The business interests like it, and also it, it, it rallies the disenfranchised working class white voter. Hmm. And so you you could solve it in a minute, right? Like just imprison any business, you know, or first offense, you go to jail and lose your business. There'd be no more illegal immigration, which there's not an immigration crisis. Immigration is down in America, hmm. but like illegal and it, it's it's illegal. a convenient political hot potato. It, yeah. So these are the things that like America is weird politically. It's hmm. it's a, it's hmm. a hard thing to govern. I think. Hmm. And I don't know. I mean, we, hmm. maybe we're too big to succeed. There was a. I don't know if you saw it in the New York Times a few days ago. There was a, like a two part piece on how to how to reform American democracy. Did you see this? I didn't. And they. It was really interesting. So you, you should check it out. So they talked about um, that the number of seats in the House of Representatives hasn't increased since like 1911. Yeah. And and they did some modeling. I forget the details of how, but basically if we increase the number of seats to 500 and something, you would end up 
with far more diversity of representation in what today are solidly red states or blue states. And you could still or you could still keep the Senate. Like it would keep it would still protect Right. But the House would would much more accurately be the people's house. The people's, yeah. i.e. representing sort of uh population size and relative population size. And I thought, now that's in- – so, you know, we talk about Copernican revolutions. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that we need to get better at being conscious of. All of these struggles that we have, to what extent have we created them ourselves by outdated systems? And and where do we need to do more, like, systems thinking in order to um, – not so much – uh, in order to kind of design away some of these lingering problems, and we'll have new problems in the new system, but at least that's to- Hegel. They, see, everybody thinks Hegel. So I got to reread my Hegel. Yeah, it's everybody been a while. thinks Hegel is the thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Hegel's like, it's just always new contradictions. They're always mm. contradictions. Mm. But for him, contradictions aren't. Determinative negation is the truth. Like, if the truth is in the negations, mm. Mm. we that, might do. That's deep, man. What if we had a Hegel table? Maybe? Okay, well, we could do. We could, oh. Well, okay. Mm. My German that's is so interesting, rusty. But that, you know, no, but it would be interesting to have, um, to have a, like, a, like a philosophy table. We'd have like to that. get real philosophers. Well, hey, dude. I mean, did you see that room? We could get a few real far. We can, we can get, we can get real. We can get some serious. We'll get like uh, Alan DeBotton if we get in the room. DeBotton and Cornell West and Cornell West in the room, and uh, if you and then and then the question is what we need to work on. And you know, don't get me wrong. I what about entertainment? Wednesday, so so, you know, Basecamp Toronto was for me a resounding success. It was so much more only resounding. I thought it was more than resounding. It was it was so much more than what I originally intended it to be. It was awesome, and and what was and it was actually for me so successful that I can now look at it and 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 be so critical about. Wow, I mean, now the ambition is okay. How do we get to the new world? And now the question, the problem is, how do you bring people together in a way that we start to? Mm, mm. And um, and so you get. So I believe that we can get ten brilliant philosophers yeah. together in a table. But the question is, how do we bring them together? And what is the kind of dialogue? Techno- excuse me, too much, McAllen. Uh, Glenn Livett, what is the dialogue technology that gets them out of what is their, you know, their practice mode, which is, here's my philosophical system, and I know yours, and so, you know, let's play chess. And my favorite opening is, you know, E4, and you're going to respond with, like, King's Gambit, you know, and we have to get out of those fixed, because philosophers have them too, get out of that and just be, at at some level, creatively talking about these issues. T.S. Eliot says that that philosophers design systems with explanations, and this is the problem with prescription and description. He says, like, I'd rather have a descriptive thing always than a prescription, because description is open to Mm. modification, enhancement, but philosophers are... My wife is a nurse practitioner, right? And she's like, mm. basically, in the in the America, it's mm. like a doctor. I mean, it's like mm. it's a. But her, so she would she would say her nursing degree is different than an MD because when she did her foundational nursing, you're person centered, not pathology centered. Mm. 
And so mm. philosophers are often problem centered, like mm. so like the mind body problem, Nietzsche writes somewhere. Mm. Like some pre Socratics say it's a problem. Why is it a problem? We we all know we have a duality of continuity and discontinuity with what we think is something like soul like or spirit like in our and, and the the temporal but like why is it a problem? The minute you say it's a problem, we prejudice we, we mm. Mm. That, mm. Mm. I'm a big ca- but can mm. I just so make a conclusion say I'm a huge candidate guy. Great. I, no, I no. I, I got to say two more things now. Well, one more thing. So this description versus prescription is is interesting. That's the DNA because, of the whole thing. Though. Because I think it's fundamental. I, I was at a a get together on Friday with kind of a subgroup of people, and we were talking about how. So what are we going to do? By that, Let's, you mean a subgroup, not a subgroup, like sexually or exactly. No, it was, or, a, it was a sexual subgroup. Of or, That's right. or 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 you're not doing genocide, but, but yeah. <laughs> And what we were saying, I'm not going to pick that one up. What we were saying is, you know, sharing experiences. Did you need a moment? No, I I laughed off. You're good. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sharing experiences is always helpful. Sharing advice. It's like almost always problematic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and it's actually descriptive, prescriptive experiences versus advice. So it works at a very simple level as well, that these are two fundamental categories of communication. And and there is somewhat ironically, maybe more value in being descriptive, uh, in sharing experiences I mean, I preach than in being prescriptive. Like every week at this point in my life. And I feel like I try to not tell anybody to do anything. Like <laughs> I just try to describe rea- there's the reality God uh, uh, the free- like you, so- you, at the moment <laughs> now you can make a mega church telling mm. people to do something, mm. right? Mm. In the short term. If you mm. want like real spiritual transformation, you can't control it. That's so it's all connected because, you know, and this is kind of at the, at the dumbest level of it. So I do a lot of public speaking now and I've got very good at it. Oh, thank you. Uh, I do. When a, I first researched your book when. Oh, did you like Leia, stalk okay. me online or something? I did. Okay. Okay. There's some old stuff. I love your I'm quite, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite uh, embarrassed about, but you know, we, 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 we grow, we live and learn, we learn. Um, but I've gotten quite explicitly anxious about the last, you know, kind of five minutes of a talk where you're, ex- expected to give the so what and now i'm at a point where I, I like tell people like i don't like this part i understand this is the social script that now comes the denouement and i'm supposed to kind of tell you so what and be prescriptive i'm not actually sure that i'm helping when i do that i mean that's what we do and we, you know, we give some keynote speech if you don't do it then then that's the obvious critique you get oh where was the so what but i actually think that um that's that's the part that we all need to own. You know, and maybe to close, so going back to that get-together yesterday. So we got 110 of us. We had these amazing conversations. We were great. So what? Maybe that's the question we all have to answer for ourselves. Well, I feel like the so what is it, like the relationships and the, the connection. Because once you get everybody plugged in. There were some of me. I, I, I met most of those people in the room. But that the was first meant time. to be rhetorical. The so what was. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Well, say that again. I'll step on that. What did I say? Oh, no, no, but, you know, so I wonder if, you know, so going back to, to, to yesterday and, and, and that gathering and, you know, you kind of went, so, so what, right? We had all these amazing people together. We spent a great day together, had all these conversations. So what? And for some reason, we look to somebody else to answer that question for us, to prescribe. And probably the, the biggest 
kind of mindset shift is to recognize that no, 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 no. We have to stop asking that question of other people. It's the question we're supposed to be asking of ourselves. To be continued. To be continued. That was awesome. And dude, I mean, it's so you're, you're it's it's so great to do this in person. Uh, dude, I would love if we could do this all the time. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to come to London. I love it. Bring the bring the travel kit. Thanks for listening to the Atlas Project. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line or send us a message on Facebook. If you really like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and write a review. It helps so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks for listening and facing the new world with us.